Love is responsibility. Praise God. I'll take my text from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'll read from verse 1 down to, uh, to verse 8. And I'll also read the second passage and we'll, we'll, we'll fire on with that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 from verse 1. Love is responsibility. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife. And let each wife have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. And let, uh, and likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Verse 5 says, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. And come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. But I say this as um, a concession, not a commandment. For which that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that manner. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to born with passion. The Lord bless the reading of his word. All right, before I read the second passage, I want to say one or two things. Chapter 7 of the book of 1 Corinthians was a response of the Apostle Paul, the writer of the epistle, to a church in Corinth, and by implication to the body of Christ. And it was a response to questions that they asked him about marriage and our responsibilities to one another and how uh, men and women are to conduct themselves in a relationship of marriage, and the people who are not married, uh, how they should conduct themselves, you know, and all that. Paul did not uh, give us a full inkling into the questions that they asked him, but we can extrapolate from the answers that he gave because he broke it down and spoke to each person. He spoke to the married, to the husband and his wife. He spoke to widows. He spoke to singles and from the answer he gave concerning the man and his wife, he obviously was speaking to the point that marriage is a business of meeting needs. That we are married to strive to meet one another's needs. Therefore, love in marriage is not just romance. It's more than romance. It's responsibility. And the responsibility is that of being responsive and being aware of the need of my spouse or my spouse-to-be if I'm preparing to get married. Because in, 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 in verse number three, he said, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her. And likewise, also the wife to her husband. It's simply saying, husbands, Prepare to meet the needs, physical and emotional, especially emotional needs of your wife. And wife, 
Do the same. Position, prepare, capacitate yourself with the right skills and understanding and the wisdom to be able to meet the specific emotional and physical needs of your spouse. So, from this passage, the Apostle Paul was very emphatic about the fact that the business of marriage is about meeting the needs of one another. It's important for us to note that if you're going to affair-prove your marriage, if you want a marriage where you're not going to be struggling with distractions, with someone's needs not being met, and they have to look out for how to meet it somewhere else, one of the ways you can affair-prove your marriage is to make sure that practical needs are being met. That you're not paying lip service to the needs of your spouse. That you're not wishing it away that they will not like what they like. You know it's too late when you wish your spouse does not like what they like. Because <laughs> it's too late to change it. That's what they like. They like what they like. They have specific needs. And one way to deal with distraction is to meet those needs. I mean, just think about it. Except somebody is struggling with maybe an addiction or something that is beyond the scope of what should be addressed within that marriage, because an addiction is beyond the scope of what should be addressed within a marriage. The, the person who is, I mean, who, who is struggling with an addiction needs someone. Your spouse cannot help you to overcome an addiction. Can I say that one more time? Your spouse is not the person that will resolve your addiction issues. You first of all need to understand and recognize that there's a problem. And then you seek to solve the problem by seeking help. Whether it's spiritual, medical, or psychological, or any kind of therapy, or someone that you need to talk to. Your spouse gives support as you realize there's a problem. And seek to help as in to support. But your, 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 your spouse is not the one that will bring you out of addiction. Is somebody say with me today? But outside of the case of addiction, if it's based on just the need that you have, you can imagine you cannot eat three square meals. Oh, let me, no, no, no. Eat buffet. Three course meal, I wanted to say, at home. And then you get on the road. 15 minutes to driving between Lagos Island and Lagos Mainland. You are buying gala in traffic, as in sausage in traffic. You know they sell all those things on, on, in traffic? You, 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 there's no way that you have appetizer, main course, dessert, lovely. And then you get on the road. And they say, corn, yes. Oh, you know, you know the way they advertise it? Yeah. Gala, yes. And you just say, bring it. So it's a problem. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Because the way, if everything is running properly, yeah, you've had enough to eat at home. And I'm using that figuratively. Because that's also the way they dangle sexual temptation in front of you. But if you have eaten, appetizer, main course, and it's a full buffet at home. I don't know how somebody will be dangling something and you'll still be able to see it. The enemy is doing something to those eyes. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Because 
is a need that's supposed to be met within the confines of your marriage. When that need is properly met, you are focused. You're able to deal with distractions. Am I saying the truth? That means there's a way we need to be loved that our spouses are responsive to those needs and they help us to deal with distractions. So in Romans chapter 12, when you read from verse 9 to 13, the scripture has this to say. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. So you can love with hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Patience in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the need of the saints. Giving to hospitality. I read the full passage so that you understand that it's a full gamut because it's how to behave like a Christian. But one of the ways it says we should behave like a Christian is that love should be without hypocrisy. You cannot say you love someone that you want to marry or that you are married to, your spouse, and you are not responsive to their emotional needs. That's love with hypocrisy. That's love with hypocrisy. Is somebody stay with me today? Very, very important that we understand it. And for singles here this morning, I also need to understand that you shouldn't get it twisted. Love does not mean sex. Yeah. Love is spelt responsibility. Today, when people say, I'm falling in love, what they're actually talking about is, I have chemical problem. <laughs> yeah. That is chemistry. Yeah. Because attraction is based on chemistry. We call it chemistry. That two people have chemistry for one another. It means that there are certain hormones that have been secreted that are creating problems in their body. Yeah. Based on the interpretation of what they are seeing, hearing, or interacting with. Yeah. It does not mean that they are ready to take responsibility for each other. Are you still with me today? Okay, have you thought about it before that you can take a pill, the pills that you take right now, and you become honey? Yeah. All by yourself. Because of chemical reaction. Yeah. So the fact that I feel chemistry, a strong attraction to someone, doesn't mean I love them. Are we still together? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've seen it before severally that somebody's cheating on their spouse and you ask, do you love the other person? Say, no. I still love my wife or I still love my husband. <laughs> yeah, what he's saying is I still want to take responsibility for my spouse. But maybe this person, you know, got my attention because of certain needs that they're meeting and it's creating chemistry. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. So singles, we need to understand it. When you start to get down low with somebody who has not said, I want to take responsibility for you, you go too low. <laughs> you can get to the abyss. You understand what I'm saying? There's a path that, that leads to nowhere. Yeah. 
That's why we say that we should wait until marriage because marriage connotes that somebody wants to take responsibility for you and is willing to sign the dotted lines. I want to get into my note, but I still feel I need to say this. Maybe there's a single person watching online that needs to hear this. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to hear this. See, in Genesis chapter 2, the last verse, I think verse uh, maybe 25 or something, the Bible says, and they were both naked and not ashamed, the man and his wife, yeah, verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Nakedness, physical nakedness, emotional nakedness is required in marriage, but outside of marriage, it is unnatural for you to be enjoying nakedness with someone that has not given you a sense of security or responsibility. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. If you see somebody out there that is naked, something tells you that something is wrong with them. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. They're losing something up here. Yeah. They need medical attention or something, or spiritual attention. So, when we take it from public to private, before I can be naked and not ashamed with a person, there has to be a superior sense of responsibility and connection and covenant that covers that. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. The reason why when you get down low too, too often and you are there with uh, Emeka today, a day tomorrow, uh, Victor uh, next day, is it, there's a compounded sense of shame that comes with that. Yeah. The only place that you can get real naked and not ashamed without it chipping off, you know, on your sense of personal value and self-worth is within a marriage. Yeah. It's within a marriage. If not, it's chipping off something. It's chipping off something. When it's compounded, it's going to be overbearing. But initially, it looks like nothing is happening. It's like when you have, you know, a sculpted image, like the image, you know, something, and then a part of it is chipping off. Before you know it, when you see that image, you won't recognize it again. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. That's what happens. That's what how people lose their sense of self-image or self-worth. Because something is chipping it off and you're not aware. You're just responding to chemical, chemistry. Yeah. And you're allowing the chemistry to run your life rather than being alert and taking responsibility for your destiny. I will sit together. Now, love is spelt responsibility. So if you're ready to take responsibility for another person, you have to be willing to do it practically. And for all the couples in the house this morning, let's go through a few ways you can take responsibility in marriage. Yeah, a few ways to take responsibilities in, in marriage, responsibility in marriage. One is that responsibility means knowing your spouse's love language and learning to love him or her in that language. How do I mean? If you have read a book before, the book uh, titled Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. If you haven't, you need to get it, especially if you're married. Even if you're not, you should read it. Yeah. 
It's just a, a, a body of knowledge that is very important. It helps for us to understand how people feel loved. I've prayed about it many times in many seminars. How people feel loved. There are different ways by which people feel loved. And you cannot legislate it. It's how they feel loved. You, you can't legislate it. You have to just accept this is how this person feels loved. And Gary Chapman suggested five ways. Just five generic ways. Some is just one. Some two out of five. Some, there's one that's very predominant, and then there's a second one. I mean, for instance, it's suggested that one of the ways people feel loved is physical touch. Physical touch. That when people, do I have my slide, please? Yeah. But when people, um, how do I put this now? When you are touched, Cuddled. Someone, you know, hugs you, you know, and all. That's why some people will say, I don't feel love because what it means is that I, nobody's touching me. Nobody's doing this to me. Nobody's, you know, making me feel loved. While some people, by the way, if you're single and your love language is touch, <laughs> you can't touch, just be touchy anyhow. Can we clarify that a little bit more? Before you leave church and then say that um, pastor said my love language is touch. Touch me here. Touch me here. Mm. That's not what I said. Please. <laughs> let's, let's, let's clarify. I'm talking about marriage. But even from courtship, you will notice that there's this person that's a bit clingy. Who just wants to rest his or her shoulders on you you know, this and that. All you need to talk about is that I recognize that maybe your love language is touch, but let's put some boundaries. Yeah. And then later, we'll uproot those boundaries. Yeah. After I do, we'll just uproot it. Yeah. The problem also is sometimes with uh, um, people who do things religiously is that they then struggle in marriage. There are many people who are more born again than Jesus. Yeah. That even in marriage, the husband wants to touch something. They say, no, 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 that's unchristianly. <laughs> yeah. It is the baggage that they have carried. Yeah. You know, some people, their parents told them that if a man blow a kiss for you here, you'll just get pregnant. Yeah. Those are people who get married and uh, wear jeans to bed. Yeah. Jeans jacket, top and bottom. And just wear it. It's a religious problem. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying is that if your love language is touched, we need to be aware of it so that you can be loved properly. Let me move faster. The second uh, uh, love language is giving gift, gifts. Some people, they feel most loved when they receive a gift. And this is where a problem starts. Maybe a brother here. You are dating somebody, or you are already married now. You know that your wife's love language is gift, receiving gift, or even a, a guy that loves to receive gift. You know what some people do? For instance, now you say uh, Valentine's Day. You say, I don't believe in Valentine's Day. It's not in the Bible. Yeah. So, you know, so don't expect anything on Valentine's Day. 
You know this person, you know, is a, there's nothing you can do about it. This person just loves to receive gifts. Don't spiritualize Valentine's Day. Yeah. Because they may, for someone like you, we may not have any other expectation apart from birthday and Valentine's Day. To now take that one away again, you are creating problems. Just because you don't want to give. And you feel that this person, and you know sometimes people speak the wrong language to the right person. Yeah. This person, you know, understands love to be giving, and all you want to do is to touch them, to cuddle them, to do that. They say, bring something. You have not brought anything. <laughs> For some people, the third one is acts of service. Acts of service. Acts of service. Which is just showing kindness by serving them. Meeting a need for them to be cared for. Anticipating their need and doing something about it. I'm talking about physical need. You're dating someone and the person needs to uh, pick up something from a, a store and they've ordered it and they're just thinking, oh, when will I be able to pick it up? And you just say, send me the details, I'll pick it up for you. Yeah. It's, it's, you just feel like, wow, this person can, can serve. I remember when I was dating my wife, I, you know, those days there was no Uber, but I was the Uber. Yeah. I lived very far from where she lived, and she worked on Lagos Island. We both lived on the mainland. She lived in Maryland. She worked on the Lagos Island. She was working with a the bank then. And I wake up very early in the morning. I told her this particular day of the week, I have a little more time. I can, I mean, I, I, I'm off work that, I mean, that day. I'm, I'm going to come and pick you up and take you to work. We gist in the cars we are going. Sometimes there's no gist because... She slept late, so by the time I picked her up at 6 a.m., she, she would just sleep through the traffic, one and a half hours, to the island. And it's when we get to the office, I wake her up. And she said, thank you, babe, thank you, go. <laughs> and then I will make a U-turn and start driving back to the mainland <laughs> alone. Just be worshiping God in the car. But today I'm reaping the fruit. A very peaceful and lovely, beautiful lady. Yeah. yeah. That was part of how she feels love. Yeah. She, she, she enjoys those acts of service. What's the love language of your spouse? It's not okay if you don't know it. And it's just about watching them and asking them. Simple. You watch. Sometimes you pick it by just watching. The things you do that, you know, all their antennas go up and they're smiling and they're all excited, and you know it. Yeah, or just ask. So I've talked about three. The number four one is words of affirmation. Some people, you know, until you see it, you know, they went, fixed their hair, five days has passed, you, have, you saw it, it's not that you didn't see it. You knew it was fine, but you just felt like it's not necessary to say anything. It's not necessary to say anything, you know. Or, you know, somebody's wearing a nice suit like I'm wearing this morning. You're supposed to be able to say, look, oh, you're looking good. Your suit is nice. And you see, if your husband is somebody that's seriously moved by words of affirmation, that one has scored 100 points for you that can last a whole week. So that anything you do that week, your sins are forgiven ahead of time. <laughs> Just because you appreciate, you spoke, you know, a kind word 
They're always looking out for people who speak kind words to them. Praise God. And the last one is quality time. Quality time. People who just love to hang out, you know, you know, just spend quality time by saying sweet nothing to each other, but just there, just in each other's company. When you buy even a car for somebody whose love language is quality time, they will rejoice that day. Next day, the next thing you hear is that, is it car that somebody will spend time with? Is it car that somebody will romance? He has gone again. Come and carry your car. I would rather not have a car, but to have you here. So sit with me here. The person is saying, my love language is quality time. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't give them gift, but you have to know that that gift will not optimize that feeling of being loved. It is the time that you set aside to spend with them. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. We're talking about love being responsibility and responding to the needs of our spouses because marriage is about meeting needs practically. And one of the ways I say again to affair-prove your marriage is to make sure that you are meeting the practical emotional needs of your spouse. Yeah. Somebody likes, you know, words of affirmation. You have refused to speak any word to them. Eh? But they get to work every day. A man is coming into the office. The lady is saying, oh, nice suit, sir. Tomorrow, nice tie, sir. Nice tomorrow. Oh, did you go to the barbers? Your hair really looks nice. Can I tell you the truth? Language is important. The person that speaks your language will get your attention. Yeah. I don't know about you, but... <laughs> you know, sometimes I spend some time abroad. Sometimes, I mean, I'm spending like three, four weeks at a stretch. When I was schooling in the UK, I used to spend, you know, two, three weeks at a stretch uh, um, for classes. One day like that, I've been in the UK for maybe like three weeks on a row. I was on the streets... I think in Manchester or London, uh, um, and one guy was speaking Yoruba. You know, it, it looks like it was more than Yoruba. He got my attention. And the guy was, ah, you know, and I just stood there and I was hearing, I was enjoying it. <laughs> I, was, I was just enjoying it. And in my heart, I felt like, let me wait, let him finish so I can speak Yoruba to him and just do it. He said, bros, it, it, that's how it feels when somebody speaks your language. You just feel drawn to them. Am I saying this? You just feel drawn to them. Yeah. So if you are wondering why there's this disconnect in your marriage, you need to ask yourself, am I speaking this person's language? Am I meeting, the, the, I mean, am I making them feel loved the way they want to feel loved? Let's go to uh, another way to show responsibility. Responsibility is understanding that men and women have generic needs. We need to know them and express them. For instance, there are needs that are more associated with women. All of us have those needs, but women need those things more. There are needs that are more associated with men. The Bible says male and female created he them and he blessed them. So male and female were not the same. When I just got married, one of the issues I used to have was that I used to think that any way I think about something is the same way my wife would think about it. Yeah. You know when you are dating or when you just meet somebody, 
You say, oh, so you, 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 you love action movies. Yes, I, I do too. Yeah. You know, so, so ah, action, yeah, it's action. I love action, action movie. So everything will look like, you are kidding yourself. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. You start to realize that you have huge differences. Yeah. Very big differences. That's what you realize. But you know, initially, just to create a premise for the friendship to continue, you will just be... For some people, up to the point of lying, sir. Said, do you, do you like to read romance novels? Ah, yes. <laughs> it's where they now say, mention the last one you read. Right there. Because you actually don't read romance novels. You don't even read novels at all. Yeah. So rather than saying it now that I'm not a novel person. I don't read novels. Yeah, I read textbooks. So that the person understand what they're, you know, what they're out to get. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. But in, in boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, we just play along. We get into marriage, it becomes big because we start to see it practically. But men and women are different. So, as a man that wants to love responsibly, apart from recognizing the love language, the peculiar love language of your spouse, you also need to recognize, for instance, that women, you know, have some needs that you need to pay attention to. Men also have those needs, but not at the level that women have them. For instance, women have a need for understanding. Yeah. They just want you to understand them. That's why they love to talk. Yeah. And don't try to fix them or fix a, a woman in your life or your wife. Just listen. A lot of the time, I mean, it's a mistake that a lot of us make. My wife gets back from work and she's talking about something that happened at work. And before she's even less than halfway gone, they have already said, oh, is that what happened? Hey, but you, didn't, you shouldn't have spoken like that to that man. If you had spoken like that, I mean, if you spoke like this, it would have ended like this, you know, and also next time, don't do it like that. Okay, so bring food, let's eat. And the woman is feeling like, I've not even finished. I've not even gotten halfway. Yeah. Because all you're thinking about is how to fix her or fix the situation. And the woman wants understanding, wants to feel like she has been heard. And there's somebody who is willing to hear her out. Yeah. That's where women love details. You know, when you compare men and women with news, for instance, men love headlines. Women want to listen to the entire news. Yeah. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. And it's because women love, you know, she, she wants to feel understood. She wants to feel that somebody is hearing her out. Women love companionship. Men also love companionship, but it's a, at a higher level for women. A sense of closeness. So your wife wants to be your friend. That you can communicate, you can talk, you can build friendship. See, we need to, as men who want to love responsibly, talk to them more, hear them out more. Women also love affection, affection and romance. So be nice to her. One of the serious complaints that women have these days is that men are no longer nice. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, many men are not nice. Yeah. And niceness really is a show of affection a show of romance. You know, it just, I mean, for instance, most men don't care whether somebody opened the door for you or not. Yeah. But when you open the door for a woman, 
to sit. They just start to smile. Have you noticed? Because it just feels good to them. I remember a few years ago, my wife and I were visiting uh, my brother-in-law. That's a uh, younger brother who lives in the U.S. And then was supposed to spend like a week, you know, with a young man. And he has a car. He was driving us around. We were staying with him in his apartment and a few places to go. So what I noticed was that when we go out, you know, I'll just sit with him in front. My wife will sit at the back and... As he parks the car, he will go down and go and open the door for my wife. We finish, maybe at a mall we're going, he will open the door for my wife. While I'm reaching for the front door to sit, I'll just see him open the door for my wife. You know the effect it had on me first? I was first of all jealous. Sincerely. I had to remind myself that he's our brother now. Because I was wondering, what is he looking for? <laughs> The only thing, listen, the only thing was that I saw that my wife was enjoying it. So I had to call him aside the next day and say, bros, don't come and spoil my business in America. Yeah. So do the driving, I will be opening the doors. The effect that it created, I felt it was something that my wife loved. Yeah. As much as possible, I still try to do it. Even now that we're back in Nigeria, I still try to do it. You know, open the door for her, you know. Not, because, uh, uh, I don't know, it just, it's just nice. Am I saying the truth? Yeah, it's just nice. It's just courteous. It's just a show of affection. And a show of honor that, you know, I can stoop low for you to rise. I don't mind you feeling honored. Because in marriage, we're supposed to honor one another. Yeah. We're supposed to honor one another. A man that wants, you know, his food packaged in a certain way, special dish, special place, put it this way, and when we are, we are put it, whether the man is sitting or not, you have to, yeah. You know, some people even <laughs> cut sieve for nobody because, <laughs> just because that's what the man wants and they're used to it. But that same man that wants that does not want to open the door. So and where is the place of mutually taking responsibility for meeting each one's need for esteem and the need to feel like a, a great person? Because if you can't make your wife feel great and feel blessed, you're taking something out of the marriage. If you can't make your husband feel great, feel like a great man, you're taking something out of the marriage. Somebody's still following me today. So women have a need for affection, romance. Women have a need for uh, protection and security. A sense of protection, a sense of security. That our future is secured, our future is protected. Young men, if you're still single, you can't be dating somebody and all the time you're painting a picture of gloom. That you know when we marry now, it's for better for us. So anything that happens, you just have to stay with me. You know, and all that. No, we already know that. If the person you are married, going to marry is a Christian, that's not what you should be saying. Don't paint worst-case scenario vision all the time. Give her a sense of security. You know, you know, now, I don't have a car, but very soon, God will bless me with a car. Anywhere you want to go, you know, you have access to car you, and all that. You know, in fact, very soon, we'll be able to travel abroad together. Anything you want to do, that's how you should be talking. Yeah. <laughs> Leadership 
is about vision. A leader knows the way, shows the way, and leads the way. I hope you are following me. Because today, many people complain, you know, uh, the girl does not respect me, does not honor me, because she's struggling. You're not painting any vision that shows that this will be worth a while. You say, I don't want to raise her expectation. Raise it under God. Let her know that I'm boasting in the Lord, not in myself. Yeah. That I know that God will do this, God will do that, and I'm fully convinced that my God is faithful. Yeah. Though our beginning be small, our latter end shall greatly increase. That's what the scripture says. Said, I know the thought that I think towards you, the thought of good and not of evil, to take you to the expected end. And the Bible says, surely there's an end, and the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut short. So these are my expectations, and I'm communicating them to you. Yeah. That though my beginning be small, my latter end shall greatly increase. Yeah. I say to singles a lot, when I was dating my wife, she was earning multiples of my salary. I was already a young pastor. I left engineering practice to go into full-time ministry. Whatever the church could afford to pay me was what I earned. My first salary as a pastor was 10,000 naira. Yeah. And my pastor, I mean, my wife's, my wife joined an executive management program executive, what do you call it now? Yeah, executive management, whatever, uh, preparation program to enter into the banking, you know, sector. Our salary was in multiples of what I was earning. But when we spent time together, everything that's happening now, I told her then, that where God is taking us is far. Yeah. God is taking us far. Yeah. But I see God using me in this way and in that way. You know, and that very soon we will be able to afford some things yeah. as we grow together in our careers. Yeah. We were crazy enough, for instance. I mean, that's why it's good to dream and pray. We were on honeymoon after we got married 15 years ago. And we set our five year goal. And one of the five year goals we set was that we want to own a house in Lagos within the first five years. I don't know how it was going to happen. My salary as at that time maybe was a hundred thousand naira or one fifty k, and she she was um, I don't know, I can't I can't remember what maybe a, a banking officer or something in the banking sector there. But <laughs> the truth was that we moved into our first house, it's a five bedroom detached house on the mainland that we bought. We bought it the fifth year of our marriage, yeah, fourth year of our marriage, yeah, yeah. That's the truth. We still own the house. I collect rent. Yeah, we have, we have a tenant there. Yeah, we don't live there anymore. We now live on the island. And God has blessed us. It's about vision, first and foremost. Yeah. It's about vision. There's a way we've planned our lives together. We pray. We paint vision. We write goals. There are things we desire. And we pray about together. And God just gives us. And it's not... Now, okay, God man is pastor of Elevation Church. No. In the days where there was nothing, we saw manifestations. 
Yeah. I was not a lead pastor of any church when we bought our first house. That's why I tell people, we're not in this for money. We, 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 feel, we, we know how to access God's blessings. Yeah. And it's been, you know, a wonderful adventure. And I'm saying this for all the singles here, all the young marriages here, to understand that God wants you to build something great together. And it starts by responding to each other's needs. Where you are going is far. You need in God and by the help of the Holy Spirit to paint visions. Those visions curtail you or they curtail your excesses to seek the wisdom of God to meet the needs of your spouse. Because you know that you need each other to get to where you are going. I don't want to go anywhere in life, whether ministry or, you know, any height without my wife. Yeah, I'd rather stay on a level if we can't go together. Yeah. Because I've seen the blessing that is in going together. One of the major issues also that we deal with in marriage today, please give me just five minutes, I'll wrap this up, please. Just five more minutes. Yeah. One of the major issues that we have in marriage today is people growing apart rather than growing together. Growing apart. So you are growing, I'm growing, but we're growing in two different directions. So we are not seeking to understand each other again. Our languages are different. Everything about us, different. And then before you know it, we're like two parallel lines that cannot meet. And it creates a lot of problems. That's not God's original intention. It's that two shall come together and become one. It's you and me incorporated. So we grow together. We grow together. We get blessed together. We increase together. And we pay attention to building our connection and our friendship as we grow by responding to each other's needs and not treating those needs as if they know they're not there. So a woman wants to feel a sense of security. Lastly, men need respect. Women need respect too. But it's more of a big deal for men because there's something that is called the masculine ego that needs a bit of massaging and not bruising. Yeah. When you bruise a man's ego, you have touched a life wire. It's, it's not going to be good. Men are more sensitive to authority and hierarchy. Yeah. They appreciate Great men appreciate it when you give them the opportunity to lead. And you feel secured in them leading you. It's a need that you need to be aware of. So appreciate his desire to protect and provide. And appreciate his desire to analyze and counsel. Don't, you know, pull him down because of that. Because when you talk down on a man, tell a man, you analyze too much. Shut up. What is it? Eh, money you can't drop. Just analyze, analyze. Even if he was thinking of how to drop money before, his brain would just shut down. Yeah. Because we didn't respect him. Men also need loads of encouragement. So appreciate his desire for shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder friendship and companionship. Yeah. A man needs a woman whom whatever has gone on out there, when he gets home, he gets loads of encouragement from his wife. It's a need that is more predominant in men. Lastly, men need a lot of sex. A lot. I mean, a lot. 
You know why I'm saying it like that? Women need to understand. Some women need the Holy Spirit to interpret that a lot to them. Sincerely. I don't want to go into the medical issues around it and the physiological. Just get it straight. All of us, male and female, love sex, but not at the same level and the same quantity. The quantity that men need to function properly is not at the same level for most women. Yeah. Some women also love to have sex a lot, but not like most men. In fact, you can almost say that sex for a man in marriage is a need, not a want. There's a difference between a need and a want. A need is what you require to function. A want is a wish, something that you can just, yeah. Just like a car needs gas, petrol, to function. It's different. <laughs> the way a car needs petrol is different from the way a car needs air freshener. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. They are two different things. One is needed for functionality. Why do you want, the other one is for aesthetics. Yeah, that's a wish, that's, that's just a want. That's, it's almost at that level. When you understand it like that, you will seek to understand the need of that man. And not just say, ah, this is the only sex you think about all the time, all the time, all the time, all the time. Yes. He thinks about it, he wants it, so let's talk about it. Let's not, you know, put it under the carpet. Let's talk about it. Let's be open about the communication. Help him to manage his expectation. When you are tired, don't say if you, if you, touch, if you touch me. No. No. You, know, you know, there's a, there's a way some women behave that the man will just put his tail in between his legs and just walk away. You understand? And it, it, that's, you're harassing the man. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 7 that we read, I think verse 3 or verse 4, says, let a man render the affection due. Can you put that up for me, please? Quickly, quickly. Say, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. Due, due. You know, when you're in school, if you don't pay the parental due, you can't write the exam. Because... <laughs> Is something that is due. Is is I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, but you understand. <laughs> Let him render affection that is due. Yeah. It's like you hold somebody, and it goes further down to say the wife does not have authority over her body. The man also does not have authority over his own body. So, it's it's an area that requires sensitivity. That requires sensibility that requires responsibility and all the abilities that is appropriate for things to move well. We live in a time and an age where emotional, uh, um, you know, cheating emotionally is becoming very rampant because needs are not met. Needs are not met. And it's when somebody, when we have loads of gaps emotionally that will get into affairs. So you have emotional affair that becomes a full-blown affair. If you pay attention to meeting 
the emotional needs of your spouse, you reduce his or her susceptibility to affairs. That's how it works. And then you commit the rest into the hands of God. You've done your part, God will do his part. Paul said, I know whom I believe. He's able to keep everyone that is committed into his hand. But having a readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Yeah. You can't be robbing a woman of affection that is due to her. You can't be robbing a man of affection that is due to him and be praying that God will keep them. It's aiding and abetting. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You do your part and pray for God to keep them. But make sure you've done your part. Lastly today, it's also important for us to understand that there are specific weaknesses and strengths of my own spouse. Specific issues that if I want to love responsibly, I must understand it. For instance, if you say somebody has anger problem and you are dating them and you want to marry them, you must take that on board. You must study about anger management for the sake of your spouse. You must learn how to live with someone that is still struggling with anger. If not, you will be the one that is triggering the anger all the time. It's already a weakness that you are aware of. And if we say love is responsibility, take responsibility for it with your spouse. Don't wish it away. You can wish that they are not angry, but they're prone to anger. Yeah? Let me give you another example. You know that your spouse is firstborn with three other siblings. Yeah. And they are in the university. As you are dating, you already are aware. You, it's wrong for you to think that when the person marries you, he has to drop all those responsibilities to focus on you. That's selfishness. They have responsibilities. It's not going to be forever. For the season that they need to take that responsibility, the best you can do is to support them as they take that responsibility. It's an issue that you must take on board. That's how to love responsibly. Yeah. That's how to love responsibly. Love, loving responsibly means that you are aware of the issues and you are willing to face them and join forces with your spouse or your spouse-to-be to walk through them. Glory be to Jesus. So those specific, specific needs, specific, sometimes it's a weakness. Like I talked about hunger, I talked about, you know, many things that we can talk about, you need to take them on board. And sometimes it's just background issues or your differences of personality. Yeah. You can't be dating or you're married to somebody who doesn't talk much. And you are the life of the party. And then you're always fighting them for not talking at the party. What? The person doesn't talk. The fact that you're married to them does not change them. Yeah. You just, you need to talk to your friends. Oh, my, my, my spouse is very quiet. You know, so that's, that's it. So when they get to your spouse, everybody has been shouting. They say, hey, good afternoon, sir. Or good afternoon, madam. They say, good afternoon. And he's sipping his coke somewhere. Just leave him. Yeah. You saw it like that. You can't be criticizing somebody for not talking as much as we are talking. Me, you know, I can, when I'm within my people, I can be the life of the party, you know, talk, gist, and all that. I have loads of friends. I have friends in almost, any big, almost every big city in the world. I have a friend there. You understand? When we go to places, my wife will have to come to say, okay, it's time to go home. Because <laughs> if you leave me there, midnight will reach. Yeah. 
because I must greet everybody and we must just. Yeah. So when I've given her the permission, knowing that when a strength is taken too far, it becomes a weakness. Yeah. So it's a strength, but when it's taken too far, it becomes a weakness. So you have to be able to give your spouse the permission to step in at certain times. Yeah. To say, you know what? Bless. It's time to go home. You have tried. <laughs> and the appropriate thing to do is, yes, ma'am. Let's begin. Because yeah. we're helping each other. Helping each other. I wanted to put that um, the, the, the test. Yeah, put it on the screen. I want everybody to, to note that and take that test. It's a test. I mean, next Sunday we have a guest who is speaking to finance and marriage. But I want you to take this test because it gives you your money personality. Um, what kind of personality are you? It's going to help you to also take responsibility for your spouse, which is when you know your money personality, whether you are a saver or you are a risk taker or risk averse person when it comes to how you handle money. That's what we're talking about in this. Yeah. So you do that test and have a conversation with your spouse or your spouse to be based on that. You must, uh, that people have different kind of money personality that people who are very frugal. Yeah. And your spouse must know This is who you are. The father you love to spend does not mean you're a bad person. You need to under, know it. Your spouse needs to know it so that they can. And there are very many um, uh, um, different personalities, money personalities, and people are not aware of it, and it causes problem, a lot of problems in marriage. Last thing is that please parent your children together. It's part of taking responsibility, you know, for love parent your children together. If you're married and you have children and you want to love responsibly, one of the ways you show it is that you are parenting your children together. Responsibility is parenting your children together. So you build friendship and companionship when you parent together. Don't say that it's somebody that should do all the work, take them for all the practice, do all the homework, go for PTA meeting, go for everything. You Mr. ATM, you don't want to do anything. Or sometimes it's a woman. Maybe because you are the breadwinner or your job is more demanding and your husband is more available. Your husband should do everything about children. You don't want to do anything at all when it comes to taking care of children. The moment you win them from the best, you drop them for the man and the nanny. So you are literally outsourcing parenting. Sometimes it's the two of you. You have outsourced parenting to drivers and uh, housekeepers and maids. Yeah. And both of you have gone your separate ways. What is supposed to bring you together has been handed over to other people and you've gone your separate ways. It's not, you know, loving responsibly. Yeah. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it said, anyone that will not provide for his house. There, it's not talking only about money. It's talking about meeting needs. And the needs of our children are also important. They have emotional needs beyond paying school fees. And it's when we spend time with them that we can meet those emotional needs. And when we do it together, and he did not say a man that does not provide, though. He said, if any. Any means any. Man and woman. Because we're using this part of the word and put man that is not there, there, to harass men. Yeah. If any does not provide. Yeah. Any. Let me tell you, anybody, you are part of any. 
anyone. Yeah. Praise God. This, this, this is part of the ways that we meet needs in our relationship, love responsibly, and grow together. And as we do that, we see the hand of God upon our homes. Will you lift your two hands to Jesus today and just bless him. Bless him for his grace over your home. And I want somebody to ask, Lord, give me wisdom, fresh wisdom, fresh wisdom, fresh wisdom to manage my marriage, fresh wisdom for the actualization of my marital destiny, fresh wisdom. That's what you should ask for today. Fresh wisdom for the actualization of my marital destiny, fresh wisdom, fresh wisdom. That beyond what you've heard today, the Holy Spirit will infuse his wisdom in your heart. It will help you to interpret the word of God that will lead to a, a, a peaceful marriage, a blessed home. That's what we're trusting God for. And if you're here, you're single. It's part of your preparation for marriage that you understand what marriage will require of you. So just ask God for grace today. Ask him for grace. Ask him for grace. Ask him for grace. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you for the blessing of revelation knowledge. We thank you for the blessing of your wisdom. We thank you for reminding us of some of the things that we have known before. We thank you for bringing to our...